You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, Tonight is one of those shows where I think you'll fully be able to tell just how excited I am uh, to welcome our special guest of the batter's box. Uh, Her career in show business goes back to when she was 13, and ever since she's become a favorite through her performances in Father of the Bride, according to Jim, Nashville, Two and a Half Men, and of course, this holiday season, Uh, She's returning to the role of Claire in the Christmas Chronicles 2, which is now streaming on Netflix. And throughout the rest of this month, you can also catch her in re-airings of A Nashville Christmas Carol, which just dropped in November on Hallmark. And uh, in addition to all this, she's a New York Times bestselling author. And as you all know, I'm always a big fan of our hitters who are just as amazing off screen as they are on it. And um, with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to Home Plate, just beyond the marquee. Now batting Kimberly Williams Paisley. Kim, welcome to Break a Bat. Oh my gosh, Al, that was a fantastic intro, first of all. Second of all, I love your use of metaphor. It's well, fantastic. You got the marquee, <laughs> you got the bat, you got home plate, you got Broadway, you got baseball. It has everything you could ever want. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I do want to clear something up with you because, you know, we yeah. were talking earlier, you're a New Yorker and your husband yeah. Brad's from West Virginia. Uh-oh. Um, but there's word out there that the Paisleys are the biggest Dodgers fans in Nashville. How does that happen? We are. Look, I was brought up a Yankee fan. And then, I mean, the, the Dodgers used to be New York. So it's kind of like the same thing. Right? Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> and I love the Dodgers. Do- who doesn't? I mean, do you not love the Dodgers? They're my favorite National League team. I like the Dodger okay. Blues. Soft spot in my heart for California, okay. so I hear you there. We have a saw. I lived in L.A. for about 15 years, so there's that. Second of all, we've gotten to know the players a little bit, some of the players. They've been to our house. We've actually played dodgeball with some of them, and, uh, you know, so I trust them because they played dodgeball where they were on the opposing team to my two young kids, and nobody went to the hospital. <laughs> so I have an affinity for these guys. <laughs> And, you know, I saw you had the cardboard cutout in Dodger Stadium this year. I know you couldn't physically yes. see it at the ballpark, but yeah. it's like in some ways you were part of their championship season. We felt that way. And it was so funny watching those games. And then we just freeze it and look at our cardboard cutouts who really should have shown more enthusiasm. <laughs> I felt a little stiff, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, you can't physically be there, but, you know, yeah. I hope in some ways they, you know, they consider sending you a World Series ring. Maybe your buddy Clayton Kershaw has some yeah, pull right. on that front. Oh, we'll ask him. We have plenty of jerseys. I think that's about as much as we're going to get. We do have some of Clayton's uh, ping pong paddles from his ping pong tournament that he does. Awesome. So Real that, game that counts. Yeah, absolutely it does. <laughs> we need like a World Series win ping pong paddle. That would be ideal. Yeah. No, I agree. You know what? I think that the, the ring especially – would you know glisten quite nicely <laughs> off of that like Christmas tree that you have behind you there? And- yeah, that would be great. Sure, you want you want to ask him for me? You can uh, maybe put in the request. 
All right. Yeah. I'll see if I have some pull. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's funny. It's like, uh, we're only about a year into this podcast, but I feel like, you know, for our folks at home, this has sort of become like a holiday tradition chatting with one of the Williamses or something. Just so glad you could be here. (laughs) I love it. Of course, you're referencing my lovely sister, Ashley. I need to go listen to that episode you guys did, but she adores you. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, I love those live streams that the two of you are doing on Instagram. It just seems like you're having the best time despite everything that's going on this year. We're having so much fun and I miss her so much. She, We're really close and she's in Canada and there's no way we're going to see her, obviously, for the holidays. So it's really been nice to catch up on Instagram live. I love uh, it. Yeah. yeah. And how are things in Nashville right now at the, you know, the Williams Paisley house as we get ready for Christmas? Things are good. We're it's going to be a small group this year, so uh, we decided to go big with the decorations. <laughs> <laughs> so we're playing against it, against what you might expect. And um, and I said to Ash, it's like Christmas threw up all over, all over the farm here where we live. And um, we've got Christmas trees up. I've got my kids' artwork up that I pull out every year. One of them looks a little phallic over there. I think it was like his foot. It's supposed to be a reindeer, I think. It was like he used his foot and then his two hands to be like reindeer antlers. <laughs> but I remember at the time when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to go in the, the back row. <laughs> <laughs> but yet it appears every single year. <laughs> that, did we already have the family screening of the uh, Christmas Chronicles too? We did. We screened it. It came out over Thanksgiving, so we all watched it together. And um, yeah, it's so fun. This the original came out two years ago, and um, Kurt Russell is just like the perfect Santa. Have you seen the film? I've seen both of them, and I love them. Oh, great! Oh, great! Well, he isn't he the best Santa ever? He's like he's like a badass, like rock and roll Santa. You know, it's sort of what I love about these movies is they're kind of like action movies, but then at the heart they've got this great family story, and so it's been really fun for me to be a part of it and to have my kids like the movie and want to see the second one and. Unfortunately, we couldn't do the premiere, but the the premiere for the first one was just so much fun. They had hot chocolate and and they had hot chocolate with the foam that they put everybody's like they put elves in the foam and and just all the characters and it was just really cool. And so there was none of that, but we did have some popcorn on my couch, so we celebrated in a different way. That's a pretty good substitute. I, yeah. I take that any day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now how about as far as the Nashville Christmas Carol? Did you shoot that during the pandemic? You obviously didn't have to go too far because I know that you live uh, live in those neck of the woods. Yeah, that's what was so great about it is they called and they said, we're just filming in town. Do you want to come do a few days? And I said, yeah, sure. And they were, you know, everything was, it was during the pandemic. So everyone was wearing masks and we were tested every single day. And, you know, it was, it was safely done. So I felt good about it. And um, yeah, it's a sweet, it's a, Nashville country take on the uh, Dickens classic Christmas Carol. So yeah, I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas time. And I think especially after this year that we've had, it's just really cool to be a part of festivities and, you know, making people feel better and just, you know, offering some holiday cheer. Yeah, absolutely. Does it feel like you're a long ways from New York? Because I mean, obviously, you know, no better time of year here in the Big Apple than the holidays. It's certainly a little bit different this year, but do you ever, does it feel like you're a long ways from home being where you are? It does. I love New York and I miss it so much. Um, my dad's there. And so of course I haven't seen him 
since March and, um, and I miss him so much and I wish I could just like go by and stand on his front stoop and wave, you know, but he's, he's older. And so he's, he's staying in and being really careful, but, um, I do feel far away. And also culturally, the South is very different from New York. Um, you know, they're both great in their own ways, but, um, I was just saying to Huck, actually, my son, um, the other day who loves New York along with me, uh, that I just can't wait to go back to the city and go to a bunch of shows and just, you know, walk around. And, and especially this time of year, it's such a great place to be. I mean, are, are things dressed up? Is like Rockefeller Center up and everything? Yeah. Wow. It is. Uh, I haven't gone to see it myself yet. Obviously, you know, you avoid the crowds where you can. Uh, but, you yeah. know, they have the whole Bryant Park, Winter Village and whatnot, which is a nice mm. little staple. But it's it's different. And, you yeah. know. All things considered, I hope that uh, hey, maybe this time next year we'll be in a better place. But I hope so, yeah. Now I love you... New Yorkers, though. I love the spirit of New York. I love the the mix of people, and I love how many people you can encounter in a single trip outside, you know, <laughs> for a walk or a trip to the store. You just, I just love the spirit of New York. Yeah, it's so special. Do you feel like, like Do you feel like it's changed a lot in the past year? Well, since COVID, certainly. But, yeah. um, you know, I do think that, you know, I was reading this uh, this piece that Jerry Seinfeld wrote in response to- I read uh, that. I yeah, read that. Some journalists in Florida wrote that New York yeah. is dead. Yeah. We're on pause. That's, yeah. that's how I think that we all have to believe that. And I think collectively in the back of our minds, we all know that. And that's yeah. providing us the hope that we need to get through this. I mean, because that's the only yeah. way you're going to make it through in one piece, especially mentally right now, because it's, it's a challenge. I love that ways. article. Yeah, I love that essay that he wrote. It, he was such a New Yorker in that essay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. He was wearing the flag for us. Yeah. And, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And, you know, you grew up not far uh, outside the city. Now, you know, you mentioned that you love theater. Uh, was that sort of your introduction into the performing world? Was it going to see those Broadway shows? It was. I remember my grandma took me to see Peter Pan when I was really, really young. And I think that was the first Broadway show I ever saw. And then I remember seeing a chorus line and Cats and these musicals. It was really musicals even though I'm not a singer, but I was a dancer and, um, and I just loved going to musicals and there, there's just something so magical. And I got to be on Broadway, which was amazing. It was like a dream come true to get to participate in it. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think growing up in Manhattan, we're out, just outside of Manhattan really. And of course I auditioned for commercials and had an agent in New York city. So I spent a lot of time doing that when I was younger. As you yeah. said, I was 13. You did your research. <laughs> <laughs> we try our best. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly have to say that, you know, listen, it's it's pretty obvious from that intro. I'm a big fan of your work uh, and Father of the Bride, especially. You know, we, we grew up in a very big Steve Martin household. And, you know, in addition to what you've done this year on the Christmas front, I have to say, 
the Father of the Bride three-ish Zoom call that you did yes. and you put out as like an actual production. That was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I loved oh, it. Th- thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you saw it. And yeah, that was such a wonderful surprise that never would have come about if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Nancy Myers was stuck at home and starting to get really anxious and just said, I want to do something and decided to pull us all together for this fundraiser for World Central Kitchen. And she pulled it off in Nancy Myers, true Nancy Myers fashion, and, you know, and, and decorated my new kitchen that I had just built, decorated, sent me like dishes and plates and everything I could possibly need. So now I have a Nancy Myers kitchen and um, got, wrote the script and got every, got Robert De Niro to participate and Ben Platt, you know, and just like amazing actors. And I just was, it was so fun to be a part of this like surprise job in the middle of it all. Now, is there any chance we lose the ish in the title and get a full on (laughs) third film or do you think it was just a (laughs) one-off? I don't know. I think um, when Nancy was asked about that, she said she was tired. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think doing the the zoom version was exhausting. It was a lot of work and it, it was, it was like a full week of shooting, not to mention weeks of prep and all this. It was like a real shoot. And I think that she was just happy to have executed that. But, I, you know, her response has been maybe. So we'll see. I think that'd be fun one day if they came up with a good story. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because, you know, there, there's such an emphasis now on nostalgia and reboots and whatnot. And my, my take on it, is if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Like they, I mean, yeah. I love Arrested Development, for example. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that they needed to reboot it. It didn't. It, it wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about it at all. So right. it's like right. there's there's a nuance to it that I think that yeah. they really need to master. And I think Nancy knows that, so she wouldn't do it unless everybody was on board, and she'd have to get a lot of people on board. So yeah, we'll see. But fans ask me about that all the time, all the time. And how surreal was that for you, you know, being a young kid going through that in the grand scheme of things? What well, you were all of 18, 19 years old, you know, when you yeah. got the part. Like, did you yeah. do you think that that kind of like conditioned you for, you know, this life that you've had since in show business? It did. It was it was like being shot out of a cannon. I was 19 and I was in school at the time and I dropped out of college. And, you know, I remember my first day, Steve Martin telling me I, I he, I asked him if he had advice and he said, welcome to Hollywood. You're going to need a good therapist. You know, and that was like so true. And thank you to my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, he was explaining everything to me like, you know, okay, we got that scene. Now they just said turning around. That means you have an hour off. So <laughs> go to your trailer, you know, and Nancy and Charles were great too. And they treated me like their daughter and really, you know, took care of me there, but, but it was also a lot of pressure at that age. Um, so I had to learn fast and I had to be brave, (laughs) you know, but it was fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite project that you've gotten to work on Kim? They're all my favorite. They're like all my babies in different ways. Um, so, you know, I've gained, I've gained like great friendships from some or great experiences from others. Um, you know, certainly Father of the Bride is among the top just because it's that's hard to beat. It's such a classic film and it's one of those that people still talk to me about today. So the lasting power of that movie is huge. And there were so many amazing adventures within that, those two projects. Um, you know, 
getting to do like the NBC miniseries 10th Kingdom. I have a lot of people talk to me about that still today that had a long staying power. And for that one, I would say the best thing I got out of it was being able to travel through Europe for six months and live like a gypsy kind of thing and live in Europe for six months. And that was a blast. So, um, you know, every single one is, has led to something new. Now, one that I did love, and I didn't think I would, cause it's not my typical genre. Uh, I have to say, you know, leading up to our chat tonight, I did catch the uh, first episode of Heartstrings, which, I mean, the song oh. Jolie is obviously fantastic, but that was a good yeah. one to watch, too. Oh, great. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that was a blast. I love doing that one. Julianne Hough is amazing, and Dolly Parton, of course, is she's angelic and amazing, and, um, you know, it just she's, her staying power is incredible, and she's... She's so giving. I love her book program, how she sends books to kids. And um, I, I love that she put a million dollars into the Moderna vaccine. You know, she's she's just investing in really great, important things and um, and then still performing and acting and singing and creating. So she's she's incredible. It was really a pleasure to work with her. And, you know, you talk about, you know, doing things of that nature. I think what you and your husband have done with the store is so wonderful. Can you tell the folks at home a little bit about that initiative that you know you're doing in the Nashville area? Yeah, thank you for asking. This is um, this has been our passion project for years now, and it just so happened that it all came together just as the need began to rise. We opened just like a week before some tornadoes hit Nashville, and then the pandemic. So we are a free referral based grocery store in Nashville. And our idea uh, was modeled after uh, something we saw in Santa Barbara, California called Unity Shop. And the idea is that it's not a handout. It's a grocery store. So people can come into the store and they can make choices for their family in a dignified way. So I, I grew up, my mother did Meals on Wheels and we used to go to food banks and we'd dole out peas and mashed potatoes on people's plates. And I remember seeing how resentful they were. And it surprised me that people weren't like grateful, you know, and I just had so much to learn in that area. And this is a totally different model. We want people to be able to, as I said, just like choose what they want. And we want their kids to see their parents in a position of power rather than having to just receive a handout. So that was the idea initially. Of course, then the pandemic hit and now people can't come into the store like we wanted because we want to keep everybody safe. But we have pivoted and um, we're offering um, meals to the elderly, to homebound seniors, and we're doing curbside pickup. And people still have some amount of choice, but of course, not as much as we'd like for them to have. But that's what we're doing now. We've served over three, three quarters of a million meals uh, since we started in March. And we're serving like five times more people than we ever anticipated we would at this stage. But the outpouring of support has been huge. And we're just so grateful for the people, for donors and people who've stepped up. And the, as I said, the need has risen greatly. We've got probably about a million Tennesseans who are food insecure, which means they don't where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And there are about 50 million people in the United States who don't know where their next meal is coming from, which is really a frightening statistic. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And I, I like I said, I'm so impressed that there's folks like you in show business who, you know, are making, you know, taking on these types of initiatives. And we'll certainly give the folks at home a link in our uh, episode description where they can find oh, some more Oh, thank you. Info. Yeah, that'd be great. It's thestore.org. 
Thank you. Of course. And, uh, you know, before we play Fastball Derby, I got to know, because, you know, you said the term passion projects before, and I know how much you love theater. When we're on the other end of this thing, would Kimberly Williams Paisley ever consider doing some Broadway again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. Sure. Why not? I loved I, I was in the Alfred Urey play last night at Ballyhoo, and I loved that lifestyle for a finite amount of time. I don't know how people do it for years on end. I admire them so much. And I shout out to those actors out there who are out of work right now. And I, I just cannot wait until Broadway and, and off Broadway and all of the theater in New York can get back up and running. And um, I know it's been really hard for those people. So let them go first. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, in the spirit of our sports backdrop, we do a little segment to wrap every show here. And, uh, you know, you've accomplished so much in your career, but now it's about to get tough. You know, think of it as the bottom of the ninth, two outs, games on the line. Araldis Chapman is on the mound throwing 105. I'm sure Cody Bellinger has told you all about him, you know, when he came over for dodgeball. Uh, oh, <laughs> Cody wasn't there. <laughs> oh, not Cody. Have a Corey Seager. Not Corey. I don't know if he no, not stayed. Corey. No, we had um, we had Clayton, we had Jock, and we had um, who else? Oh, Justin's come, but I don't know if he actually played dodgeball. Okay, well, either and you way, better not be you better not be quizzing me on sports because I'm going to hang up right now. Oh, it's not a quiz. It, this is where I'm going to ask you a question. It's tougher than a quiz. I'm going to ask you a question. You're just going to tell I'm me scared. the first thing that comes to mind. And, you know, you're a great storyteller, so feel free, you know, to throw some of those in there as well. And uh, all right, yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> favorite new york city meal pizza of course pizza. you know a thing or two about great american music who's america's band the beach boys or the eagles the eagles got a favorite eagle song <sighs> on a dark desert highway you can sing a little bit. All right. So that is the official audition reel for uh, Kim's uh, return to Broadway, folks. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't sing. I don't sing. <laughs> you can play that. How did you get me to sing just now? I, I have that ability, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> um, how about this one? Uh, excluding your own all-time favorite Christmas film. Excluding my own. Um, I would have to say Christmas Vacation. Classic. Yeah. We watch it every year. You have to binge watch Glee or The Muppet Show. Which do you choose? I guess Glee. <laughs> it's just neither one is, is uh, on I your, wouldn't uh... choose either one, but I would say I would say Glee over the Muppet Show, yeah. Okay. Now this is important, especially for our yeah. New York audience. Okay. T team Jeter or Team A-Rod? A-Rod. How come? Don't tell me because of J Lo. I can't tell you because of Jalen. No, I think A-Rod's such a cool guy and he um, has great beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, El, El Presidente. Presidente. It's so good. Have you tried it? I, I've had I've had a glass or two in my day. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a Dos Equis guy, though, if I had to. You okay, know, all right. I know, I know A-Rod. He's a cool guy. I know oh, him yeah? a little bit. I mean, he doesn't know me. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about this one? Fact about Kimberly Williams Paisley that would surprise people the most. <laughs> um, I can touch my tongue to my nose. Now your listeners cannot see this, but you can vouch for me. Oh my God, she did it! Wow, we, we made <laughs> impressive. Pardon me while Thank I you. applaud here. Wow. Thank you. 
<laughs> Should we take it to Broadway? To Broadway? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. That skill set will get you a lead. The problem is it, it makes my lip wet. It's not comfortable. <laughs> All right. Now, speaking of uncomfortable. Yeah. Most embarrassing onset moment. Oh, uh, gosh. You know, I had this really, okay. <laughs> when I, I'm going to talk about theater. When I did um, All in the Timing, the David Ives play in Los Angeles at the Geffen Theater, we had a guy go down in the audience. And we literally had that moment where someone said, is there a doctor in the house? And we're doing comedy. And in the middle of this play, we had to stop. And I was doing this like really over the top, like funny bit. And all of a sudden we hear, is there a doctor in the house? And we broke the fourth wall. And like, we were staring at the audience and they were staring at us and people were standing up and some guy had collapsed in the audience and it was awful. And then we had to wait while paramedics came down the aisle, took this guy out on a gurney. He was fine, by the way. We found out later, thank God, but <laughs> wheeled a body up out of the aisle, and then we had to come back on stage like, do the show, do the comedy. <laughs> Can we find the humor? Is it too soon to find the humor? Oh, my was, God. That was pretty, pretty awful, but the show must go on. And you know what? The audience was really great. We just came back out, and uh, like 20 minutes had passed. There were some tears, and uh, and the stage manager said, you guys got to go back on. We got to do this. We're like not even halfway through the show. So we went out and we just said, if it's all right with you, we're going to carry on where we left off. And the audience was ready. And we actually wound up having like a great rest of our show, but I never would have imagined it. Now on the opposite side of the ball, what's the proudest moment of your career? That I didn't kill any more people in that audience. <laughs> no, just kidding. The proudest moment of my career. Um, in my acting career. Could say it, you know. Like I said, there's no rules, so feel free to answer however you want. You know what? Honestly, I'm going to say that my proudest moment was writing my book, um, "Where the Light Gets In," which was a memoir about my mom, and just being able. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and um, passed away about four years ago, and just being able to take the reins of what was on the face of it such a tragic story and turn it into something meaningful and hopeful and helpful to other people. Felt like such a huge accomplishment, not to mention I'd always kind of wanted to write a book. So just having that completed and then it was a New York Times bestseller. And that was like something I never anticipated. Um, so I would say I would say that's my most proudest moment. Not to stray from uh, our last question, but when you and Ashley do those live streams, I love when you talk about your mom and especially around yeah. the holidays. Like I, I could see, you know, just your faces light up and, you know, that's it, it. You know, there's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of ingenu ingenuity in show business, but I, I, you know, I could tell how passionate you are, especially, you know, the work you do as an Alzheimer's advocate is just awesome. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. And um, all right, this is the one that we use to wrap every fastball derby. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't know why I'm scared. All right. Oh, well, yeah, like I said, 105, you know, coming from Rolf the Chapman on the ground can be scary. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready. What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Oh, yeah. I love it. I was just thinking about that this morning at like 3 a.m. when I woke up and couldn't sleep. <laughs> uh, 
My therapist once told me, turn anger into compassion and fear into faith. And I love that. It's like a mantra to me when I'm, when I feel like anger just boiling up at whatever, at people out there or people in here or circumstances or anything, try to turn that anger into compassion. And when I'm feeling fear, overwhelmed by anxiety, try to turn it into faith that, you know, that all will be well. Well, you know what? It served you really well, Kim. And uh, like, I, I'm just so happy that you were able to join us. And I think that we need to make this like a holiday tradition, you know, and maybe next <laughs> year, like, you know, around December, we'll bring you on, we'll bring Ashley on. And, you know, the three of us will have a big Christmas party totally. once we're out of the pandemic, right? That'd be a blast. I'd love it. Do you have a Christmas tree up? <sighs> Confession. I don't. Are I you live Jewish? In... No, no. I'm Italian. You couldn't tell from oh. my last name. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's Jewish Italians. I don't know. Yeah, I know. There are some pizza bagels out there, but you know what it is? Actually, so not, not to stray, but I'm in a studio apartment right now. Um, it's not the most festive scene in the world, but I, you know, I'm certainly watching, you know, my share of Christmas movies, like okay. you know, awesome. Christmas Chronicles and, and, uh, Nashville Christmas Carol and play my Christmas music. But yeah, it's certainly not as nice as the, uh, Williams Paisley tree that you have in the corner, but the <laughs> audience can't see, but if you follow us on Instagram, you'll probably be able to see a screenshot or two from this episode. So. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was so good to talk to you, Al. Uh, it was such an honor, Kim. And, uh, you know, for the folks at home, thank you so much for listening tonight. That'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.